again and to everybody out there, whether this is your first week, second week, third week, or so forth, perseverance, keep pushing through because we're going to all get through this together. Vicki Saldala, welcome back to In This Together. This is our second episode with you down in Broward County. Happy to have you back. Thank you, Steve. I'm happy to be back, ready to uh, listen and, and share some of our insight here in Broward County and how we've been doing so far. Yeah, first question is really simple. How are you and how is your team? <laughs> My team is exhausted, but I think when I say that, I speak for everyone that's going through uh, e-learning or virtual learning or remote learning. I think there's just so much going on. Um, everything I think in a positive light, you know, it, it's a learning experience for all of us across the nation. Um, whether you, you're coming back to a face-to-face -face setting, you know, there's a lot of raw emotions there and a lot going on. Um, or whether you're in e-learning or remote learning or virtual learning and whatever it's being called. Now, we call it e-learning here in Broward, so I'm going to stick to that. Um, a lot of raw emotions there, too, right? A lot of unknowns as we're navigating. Um, but everybody's just pushing through. Um, I think the word I'm going to use a lot today is perseverance. We're just pushing through and, and doing what's right for kids and, and for our families. So um, exhausting, but just thrilling to, to know we're doing the best we can. Yeah, that all sounds very familiar with the other people that I've spoken with for the uh, second episode of the series, for sure. Uh, perseverance is a great word. Looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, so let's go back to last time we spoke. There's a few things that I kind of want to revisit. Uh, the first one is that, obviously, as you just mentioned, you are getting ready to implement remote learning, which you've started now. I think you started on August 19th, correct? Yeah. yeah. And today is uh, the last day of August when we're actually recording this. Um, so you're still early on in the journey, but how are things going so far with the remote learning, particularly as it, particularly as it pertains to um, providing an equitable experience for English learners? So, like I sh shared, we're we're pushing through, right? Still a lot of uh, a lot of holes to fill as we're moving along. Um, I think every day we find and we encounter um, a, some a new task that we have to take care of, or something we didn't think about, um, or even looking back and saying, "Hey, we were so ahead of the game when we did something," because now we see our counterparts that are struggling, right? Um, so like one of the things we're doing, because I know we talked a lot about families last time, yep. is our virtual call center just reopened to help our families with technology glitches. And not everybody can come back to the schools. Our schools are open. Our school sites are open, um, not for teaching purposes. However, you know, the front offices are there. Uh, the micro technicians are there. So if families have issues with laptops, they can come in, um, get that fixed. Um, our superintendent did give our teachers the choice to teach from home or teach from school. So I was quite surprised when I drive through the streets and see how many cars there are in the parking lots of schools. Some teachers did choose to go back to the setting, uh, mostly because they had everything they needed in their surroundings, right? Sure. They didn't have to lug things home. Everything they needed is there. So that was a choice for many of our teachers. Um, but our, our virtual call center, which we had implemented in the spring, just reopened now so parents can call if they're you know, experiencing difficulties. And so what we did, uh, 
which we hadn't done before and we thought about it now and it's like yes we're going to go through with this is we've taken my interpreters in my department and connected them with the virtual call center uh, we've created scripts so now when a parent calls it'll say si necesita ayuda en español aprete el uno so parents can go to spanish haitian creole portuguese and arabic which are our top languages here in broward and um, the microtechnician from the virtual call center will connect with one of my interpreters and teams. They'll call the family. And now we'll be able to help these families navigate in their home language, which we weren't doing that in the past, right? We were, we were trying the best that we could with the few people we had that were technology specialists. Uh, my team is not technology specialists, but again, making that connection, bridging that divide, and making sure we can help these families. So that's one way that we are uh, trying to ensure that our kids are getting online. That's great. Um, a couple sort of follow-up things there I want to kind of focus on. One is, um, you know, giving teachers the choice to teach from school or to teach from home. This was a contentious issue around here among my teacher friends who, uh, you know, I, I, I was a high school teacher for a long time, and many of them were forced to go back to school. Many of them um, were not either comfortable with that or had children at home, whatever the case may be, while some of them, you know, preferred to go back. But you're the third person in the series to, to state that, yes, like our teachers are have the choice. Um, and at the risk of sort of giving my own opinion on the matter, which is not my place. I just think that that's great giving, I mean, it professionalizes, uh, you know, educators, which I think we, we greatly need. And as you mentioned, a lot of teachers are preferring to go back for whatever the case may be, but I just think that's wonderful. So that's one piece. I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, the second, and it's allow them to, to bring their, their children. So if, if you chose to come back to the classroom to teach from your classroom, you were also allowed to bring your children with you if you know they were at home with you of course following cdc guidelines you know there is cleaning going on every day but giving the teachers that flexibility that they didn't then have to leave their children with a babysitter or at a daycare wherever they could bring them with them to the classroom and they had to of course be with them the entire time i love it and that, that's what needs to happen you know i mean that's what's happening certainly as i think about my own role and i mean Everybody knows that we have some of us have kids at home and we have to just do the best we can. And in general, if you have trust and you have good people, which you do and we do, things are going to things are going to get done. Um, I think we need to ease the fear, too. Right. So um, not taking away from how dangerous the situation is for everybody, but start easing some of the fear that if we do return back to a school setting or a face to face setting, what is this going to look like? You know, what, what, what is, how are we preparing our educators, our students, our buildings, uh, little by little? So it's almost like it's, we're trying it out, right? You know, a couple of teachers are in the building with their own children. Uh, if the school is cleaning properly, we shouldn't see any cases of COVID. So it's almost like an easing in type of thing. Yeah, and that's the way I think it, it has to happen. And I'm hearing that from a lot of different people as well. The other thing you said that I really uh, resonated with me because I've heard this from a lot of other people as well is the collaboration that's happening between those, I think you call them micro technicians um, and the interpreters. Um, and, you know, it's funny because 
I talked to Dr. Adrian Johnson, who's also on this series, who could not be in any more of a different district than you're in. Broward County, you know, huge, huge district. I think you all have 35,000 English learners or something around then. Give or take, yes. So he is in Hearn, Texas, a rural district. He has 160. It's a small district, so comparatively, it's still a lot for them. But he, he was talking about very, very similar situations where his quote ab about it was, and I love it, diversity conquers adversity. And the diversity that he was talking about was the diversity of the people that he had, not necessarily you know, uh, along racial lines, but um, how the cafeteria workers were so important, how you know, a teacher is doing different things than they used to. And here you're talking about doing things that you've never done before, um, having those micro, micro technicians involved with the interpreters is just a great example of that sort of quote that he, that he coined um, right. and what folks are doing to have this kind of all hands on deck approach. Well, and I want to also point out the importance of bilingualism, right? It has really made a huge statement across the district when I'm on calls with other departments. And I stress the importance that just because somebody doesn't speak English, it doesn't mean that it has to automatically come to my department. We have, this is Broward County, sixth largest district in the nation. There's gotta be a lot of other people that speak another language in our you know, 15,000 plus staff. Let's find those people, let's bring them to light, let's get them to help us. And um, just really shining a light to many of other my other colleagues that when you're hiring staff, how important it is to make sure that your own staff has diversity, right? That you have the ability to serve the community that we work in. So I'll give you an example. I don't have a Vietnamese interpreter on my staff, yet it's one of our top 10 languages, right? Very difficult to find Vietnamese people. I've advertised, but very difficult to find a Vietnamese person to come work full-time on the district staff Yet somebody connected me with a teacher at a school. Perfect. She teaches all day, but she tells me, Vicki, after hours, I want to help my people. I want to help my population. So I hire her hourly after school to call these families and help them navigate. And, and it's amazing um, the misunderstanding there is from the families, whether it's cultural or it's the language barrier about what e-learning should be like. Many families, because they haven't made the connection yet, are still thinking that school in the fall is how school was in the spring. Oh, if I don't log in, it's okay. They're not taking attendance. So they're still thinking we're running this session like we were back then. Mm -hmm. And so we've had to really do a lot of work clearing that misconception whether it's through television segments, whether it's through phone calls, you know, having teachers reach out because kids are still not logging in, right? So that's been a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just that idea of what does communication look like? You know, you don't want to over communicate things because things change so quickly, but you have to get the information out. And then there's the challenge of not only the language, as you mentioned, but also the culture, you know, what is what is a what is a parent's role in this whole thing here as opposed to their home country, which may be very different. Um, another thing you said last time we talked to you that was really interesting. Uh, 
is you said you went from the Flintstones to the Jetsons, like in, in, in no time at all. And there are probably a lot of people who aren't old enough to understand that reference. So I'll break it down a little bit. The Flintstones is a prehistoric and the Jetsons is tech world. So it's a very quick transition. That's all I really need to say. And if you haven't seen those two shows, probably check them out, uh, particularly if you have kids. Um, but anyway, you, you, you've also said that many experienced teachers because of this have kind of said, I feel like a new teacher. This is totally new. What do you think the pluses and minuses of, of this transition has been? Certainly there must be some, you know, great things that are coming up, but I'm sure there's a lot of challenges as well. Yeah. So I've definitely seen a lot of people retire, <laughs> uh, very unexpected. Um, people have chosen not to continue in the profession. Um, but I, I, like you said, pluses and minuses, people have been forced to think out of the box, including myself, um, all of us at all levels, from the superintendent down to the last person, right? Thinking out of the box, how do we think differently? Um, you have to force yourself to think differently you have to make the time and you have to invest the time to get to know this world, right? So I, I'm gonna speak for myself and my own experiences. I'm watching my team. They're creating their emojis and they're creating Canvas courses. And I'm still be, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball, right? I'm like, I need to find some time to take some of these, how to create a Canvas course webinar myself so that I can catch up with the time. So. I can't imagine how overwhelmed our teachers feel, especially if they did not invest the time over the summer, which was their own time that they had to invest, but invested the time over summer to get ahead of themselves. Um, I'm following a couple of uh, Facebook pages, uh, Leading ELLs, uh, Canvas for Elementary Teachers, and I, I just mostly to learn for myself, but watching the comments of people on here and how much teachers are helping teachers and how open people are to sharing their own resources. I email myself constantly, oh, I like this link, I like this blog. I like... So like I said, I think it's it can become overwhelming, but it has really invigorated a lot of people to try something different. Now, not to say we still have the other side of that, right? Some teachers that are just not buying into it yet that are still struggling and those are the teachers we have to help we have to lift them we have to keep them going so that they can provide the best to our students um, at the end of the day we still have to keep teaching those standards we get caught up in too many emojis and too many fun things but we still have to keep our content and our curriculum rigorous and make sure we're teaching to the standards how you teach those standards that's where the fun stuff comes in. But the focus needs to continue being those standards. Yeah, and a lot of that's similar to face-to-face -to -face too. I mean, there are a lot of teachers who really do a good job infusing that kind of, you know, whatever the equivalent of a Bitmoji classroom is for face-to-face, -face. they do a good job with that. But when you try to force it as someone who just, it's just not you, I mean, that it makes it difficult to stick with the standards and to and to deliver the content in a rigorous way. So yeah, it's a fine line between bringing people on board, but also letting them know that they don't have to chase every shiny new tech object to make right. you know work for them. I always use the example of a gentleman who I taught with for years and he 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 retired sort of when I was in the middle of my teaching, but we were really pushing technology in the district that I was working at. It was we went one to one pretty early and he just wasn't buying in. 
Um, but he was he was he was a gentleman who he was a history teacher, and he could sit in front, stand in front of a lectern, old school style, and lecture. But the kids were captivated by it. He was good at it. So when he found the thing that would help him deliver the content in a way that was a little bit more interactive, but easy for him to use, I forget the tool that he used. Maybe it was Class Dojo, something like a participation tool that helped him track who was you know involved in the conversations. That was the magic, right? Not here's a giant list of all the things that you need to do now because our world has changed completely. And I think about him often now and how he had sort of functioned in this situation. I know for him, there are many, many others that are just like him. So what you know, what do you do there? It's it's a tough one. So one of the things we've tried to do um, in our meetings with our teams, uh, with our teachers, um, as well as within our PD, is find those one or two tools and build them into our trainings and into our webinars to show teachers how to use them and how to incorporate them. Um, this, this school year, our district went district-wide with elevation strategies. So that is something that um, the memo just got posted. Schools are now becoming informed. So every single teacher in our district is going to have access to elevation strategies. So now we are gonna make sure that in everything we do, every message we deliver in webinars or in meetings, we talk about strategies or we use one within our, our presentation. Right. And, and they ask the question, oh, that was really cool. How did you do that? Hey, go here, you have access to it already, right? So our job is not to make it harder for teachers or like you're sharing, overwhelm them with try Flipgrid, try Nearpod, try this, try this, but yet find that one or two that we're gonna just consistently say, this is a good tool for our ELLs. Um, and apart from tools, even strategies, simple things for our teachers to implement, color coding, uh, highlighting, minimizing the amount of content on the on the presentation little things that are tips that we may forget about because we're so concentrated on other things that will just make it much more easier for our students and i'll give you an example i got a call uh, the other day i was in the office picking up something and on my way out the phone rang and i was like do i answer do i not answer and i said let me just pick it up and i would say there's always a reason right the young lady doesn't have children of her own in, in the school system, but she's the neighbor to a man that has his two young sons here from the Dominican Republic, uh, from a rural area of the Dominican Republic. The father works all day, boys are home alone all day, had to learn how to use a computer. We take that for granted, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, they didn't know how, so this young lady has been helping them, and she said, you know, the teacher puts, she goes, I got them on Canvas. They're navigating. They know how to log on every day. They see their teacher. But the teacher puts content up. They don't know English, right? And here we are saying, oh, use Google Translate. Oh, use Immersive Reader. But it goes to show a district our size, we still have so much work to do because we're not, we haven't touched every teacher yet, right? And we talk about these things but the practicality of implementing them, right? That teacher might know those, but when you've got 35 kids on a screen, how do you differentiate for those different students? It's not like in a classroom where you can just walk over and you know do something for two minutes. You can still do that in this world, but how? How do you make that happen? So I think that's where we are next, helping teachers make it happen 
how do you differentiate? How do you do the little small groups? Um, so those kids are struggling, right? So I told her, don't worry, we'll take it from here. Are they even getting their food? You know, they're entitled to free food. Are they picking up their meals at the school? She's like, no, I don't think they know about that. Yeah. So here we were educating someone that's not, doesn't even have kids in our school system, right? So we hooked her up with book bags for the kids. We got her all the information so that the dad or she can go pick up food for them every day. So again, it's hard. It's, it's, it's just when you think you're making these gains, you got to take a step back down and be like, Oh, we missed some. We got to pick them up and keep going. Yeah. And you, you have to be humble and vulnerable what you're doing. You know, you're saying that, that it, we have to make sure that people don't fall through the cracks. And you're also tying together a lot of the topics that I wanted to talk about today, namely, you know, you just talked about professional development and what you're trying to do to get teachers to make sure that, that, you know, you use the elevation example, but, you know, you're talking about how do you try to infuse things into the PD so that teachers are using it without overwhelming them. But then you mentioned the word practicality of implementing it when you have so many different students, you know, the, the, the level of differentiation that needs to happen. And now in a remote environment uh, is difficult. And you, uh, one thing I really appreciate about you is that you always call out and you called me out in the in the last episode we did which i really appreciated on look english learners are not one homogenous group there is a wide spectrum of learners so like how do you i mean you just mentioned the challenge of that but you said that's something you're sort of working toward how, i mean what what are you hoping to be able to accomplish in 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 differentiating for that wide spectrum of students who are english learners when you have teachers who are doing the very best they can, but are clearly in some cases overwhelmed by what they need to accomplish. I have to be honest to myself and I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh yeah, we meet the needs of every single student in our district. Nobody's falling through the cracks. That's just not going to happen. Somebody's going to fall through the cracks when not just when you're a district this size, but it's inevitable that you're not going to get to everybody. Right. But there's always that starfish story. It matters to this one. It matters to this one. Right. So when I picked up that phone call that day from that young lady, again, it brings me down and it makes me humble to say, we're not doing everything we need to do. We miss a teacher. We miss two students. How, you know, so reaching out to that one teacher so that she can fix her teaching strategies and make sure she's being, she might not even realize those two boys are struggling, right? So just really trying to be humble to that, um, trying trying to get to our community through every mode possible. We're huge Twitter people, so you know we're always on Twitter, but not everybody's on Twitter. Um, our Facebook slacks a little, but we're getting there. Um, even PD in our district, because of Due to this circumstance, PD has been put to a hold. We can't hold any type of PD during school hours, right? PD has to be after hours. How many teachers are going to attend? I worry because teachers are, at the end of the day, preparing for the next day. <laughs> and it's a, whole new, it's a whole new level of exhaustion right yeah. now, I imagine, looking at a screen and trying to do it that way. I, I honestly, in some ways, I've talked to my wife and other teacher friends about this, in some ways, I'm really kind of envious about the teacher experience right now because I think that it truly is a pivotal time. And in many ways, like the the innovator in me wants to be in the classroom, but then the practical part of me is like, I can't even imagine the stress. Right, right, right. yeah, absolutely. So, 
you know, helping our teachers after school, we do the PD, making sure that the people that are delivering the PD from my department are energetic, they're exciting. They're, you don't they're, have a problem there. Nah, I don't. <laughs> Speak from experience. <laughs> they're pretty good with that. But, you know, just that because teachers are tired at the end of the day and they have their homes and they got to cook dinner and they're, you know, it, it's crazy when you read these blogs and these messages on, on Twitter and so forth, they're spending countless hours preparing their lessons for the next day while still continuing to learn. Um, but yeah, making sure that we, we have the right people in front of our teachers um, is very important. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned, you told one story about those students from the Dominican Republic who were supported by that young lady. Um, have you been able to get a pulse on sort of how your students, particularly those English learners that you work with, are sort of feeling right now or how they're uh, adapting to this change? Or maybe it's not adapting. Maybe it's just a continuation of what you were doing um, in the spring. So me, myself, no, except that one phone call that I took, right? But through my staff, um, mostly through my parent outreach office, who are the ones that are getting the phone calls from the families. Um, I think our students, especially our newcomers who have no language, are still struggling with understanding how this is going, where, how this is supposed to work for them. Um, I think students are missing that, that interaction um, as they're learning, not just about education, but the American system, right? What does the American school look like? Uh, again, they don't know that they get free lunch. They don't, it's all new to them. So um, through our, parent outreach office, we will be starting our parent meetings. And also we are trying to figure out how we're going to deliver them. Um, we just rolled out about two weeks ago, our district rolled out what's called parent university. Uh, parent university were four sessions, four nights. One night was just elementary learning, secondary learning, um, students with exceptional needs, and then English language learners on the fourth night. And we spent an hour and a half just helping families navigate through what e-learning would look like, asynchronous versus synchronous. What is Canvas? What is Teams? It was a very foundational, what is a, what is a typical school day going to look like now? Um, walking parents through a student's schedule. Basic things they needed before school started. We had an overwhelming number of parents attend, whether they attended live or they went back and viewed them because they are recorded. They are on the Broward County. It's BrowardSchools.com backslash parent university. All four sessions are there. There's, they were also, we had closed caption in six different languages. So oh, if great. you were, yeah, so it was great. Parents could go back and download the script and follow along. Um, those sessions, like I said, they were very well received. And as a result, we are going to have round two coming up in a couple of weeks where now we're going to focus in on grade level bands. So the first one we're going to do is K-1. You know, what are expectations? Now Now that we've started, what are the expectations, families? What do you need to know? What are the standards? Uh, what does your day look like at home? When we tell you that they have recess, what are some things you should be doing with your little ones to kind of help those families a little bit more? Uh, the Parent University gained national attention we were on Good Morning America um, last Saturday. They had a little segment on just Broward County and what we were doing with Parent University. And as a result of that, 
because it went national, we've gotten contact from school districts that are asking us, tell us a little bit more about that. How did that come about? And, you know, what have been the results of that? Oh, that's great. And we'll link to that. In fact, if you're watching the video, you'll see the link right above in case you want to look at that. That's amazing um, to get that kind of attention and more importantly, to get other districts, you know, to sort of ask you questions and collaborate because we're talking a lot about sort of this in this together thing and all hands on deck. And when it, the collaboration happens not only within districts, you mentioned Facebook and Twitter and other platforms where people are collaborating. You know, that's, that's where we really, I think, make a, a, a big difference, not only in, in individual districts, but we get out of our silos and learn a little bit more. So congratulations on that. That's really exciting. Thank you. Um, what has been the biggest surprise that, that you've seen uh, since we last talked? Maybe I think it was probably two or three weeks ago. Um, so I'm going to circle back to perseverance. <laughs> Um, I'm really amazed and proud of the work that every single person has done in this district. No matter what the roadblock has been, no matter what the struggle has been, whether in your home, your personal life, or at work, we have persevered, right? Because it's all about our students and making sure we're trying to provide them the best education that we can. Every student counts, every family counts. Um, whether it's from meals. I was just looking at a flyer a minute ago about, you know, if you're having uh, difficulty paying your rent, here's somebody, here's a, an organization that's helping, just coming together as a community to do the best that we can for our families and our students. You will always get criticized. It doesn't matter. No matter how great you think you're doing, there's always going to be that naysayer out there. Um, but I am very proud to work for Broward County Schools. We have an amazing superintendent who has been slandered left and right ever since Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and Parkland, um, the February 14 um, incident that we had here. And that man has never given up. And he is really our role model of how to push forward uh, when all of this happened. And, you know, he was one of the first and few superintendents who took a national platform to say, we are not opening up in Broward County. For me, it's about the safety of our students. And um, I think when you have a leader like that, you will push through because you know you have a system that will support your decisions and will just keep persevering to provide the best education for our students. Yeah, I'll leave that alone. That was very well said. Go back and listen to it again if you need to. I don't have anything to add except that's that's amazing. What um, so we're going to talk again in a few weeks. Um, what do you what do you hope to be sort of talking about then? What what do you hope will have happened and and where do you hope this conversation will go in terms of like changing of topics? Um. Well, we have a couple of new initiatives that are going to start rolling out. Um, like I said, we're, we're going district-wide with Elevation Strategies. So I'm hoping to hear some really great success stories from that and how teachers are using that to, um, to make their lessons comprehensible for our English language learners. Uh, we have the homework hotline, which is something we're doing with our schools, our district facilitators, who are also teachers, um, have been asked to start providing support after hours. So we are opening up a homework hotline from three to, I think it's 9 p.m., where district teachers 
will be on these hotlines to help our students, right? So that's kids, great. Yeah, if I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything like that. It seems obvious, but I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, so we're we're starting this week with that. Um, there's a number that kids can call into, and staff would be available. I mean, and it takes <laughs> it takes that village to build this project because the amount of work that has gone on in the background with building it, right? Because if I'm a math teacher and I pick up the phone for homework hotline and it's an ELA question, where do we go? Mm -hmm. So we've had to put in all kinds of systems to streamline the phone calls to make sure we get that child to the right person. But Um, I have to think, and not to interrupt, I have to think that there's just tremendous value in the student being able to reach someone, whether or not that person is an expert, just to say, I'm here for you and we're going to get you to where it, that's like, it's like good customer service really at the end of the day. Well, trying to put into place the same supports kids had when we were in school, right? So they would finish their school day and then go to the after school program where there would be people that would help them with their homework. So when mom and dad picked them up at six o'clock, pretty much homework was done and parents didn't have to worry about that when they got home. So trying to put those same supports in place with this homework hotline that, that the kids Kids or parents have a place that they can call to help them navigate after hours. Um, so that's starting this week. So I'm hoping to be able to give you an update with that the next time we talk. Um, our district just also received a grant with the Early Learning Coalition where we're going to start a program called Kindergarten Acceleration Launch. And we will be impacting about 3,000 eligible kindergarten students. They will be kind of like a Saturday school. Um, also online, and we've partnered with Scholastic, and so it is a, um, a it's called Kindergarten Acceleration Launch and Learn. Three thousand students, about two hundred teachers. They'll go online on Saturdays and follow this program from Scholastic, and we're going to be um, the students that will be eligible will be the students who maybe were in BPK or we screened them when they came into kindergarten and were low on their letters and sounds and and foundational skills. Those are the kids that we're going to target. Mm -hmm. So that's something else we're gonna have. And then like I shared, part two of Parent University, you know, with a focus on kindergarten and first grade, um, we're trying to work out still how to do the initial screening of our ELLs, which I know that that's a nationwide discussion as well. Yeah, getting our access scores coming in. So there's a lot of pieces still that I'm hoping to be able to give you, um, you know, more input the next time we talk. Because we've only been in school, what, nine days? Yeah. <laughs> give or yeah. take. So lots going on still. Yeah, a lot of the questions I've asked you today are pro- probably not fair questions given that, you know, you've only been there for a little while. But I appreciate you um, taking a stab at them. And you've provided us with some great information, I think, ideas for folks who are uh, watching or listening. And I'd, I'd advise people to take a look at that uh, little Good Morning America segment. Not that this segment isn't uh, is, is, is worse than that, because, of course, then this Together docuseries is as hard-hitting as Good Morning America, but nonetheless national. Um, but I digress. Uh, Vicki, I want to thank you again for um, for joining us today. We'll catch base, uh, touch base in a couple of weeks, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about some of the things that you um, just brought up. In the meantime, uh, best of luck with everything. You're doing great. Um, we're we're behind you 100% at Elevation, and and myself as somebody who was a teacher for a long time, I'm I'm rooting for for all of you, and really appreciate the the great work that you're doing. 
thank you, Steve. Thank you again. And to everybody out there, whether this is your first week, second week, third week, or so forth, perseverance. Keep pushing through because we're going to all get through this together. Absolutely.